Good evening. It's the history of the Tottenham. I'm sorry it didn't cost 55 million, so it cannot be good. I will love it if we beat them. Love it. Some of the passing is fucking scratching. We are in Champions League, man. Dilly din, dilly dong, come on. Sit down! Sit down! He's 24 years old. For me, if he's not got it now, when is he going to get it? And I won more premierships alone than the other 19 managers together. 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 Hey guys, welcome back to the Armchair Managers, the podcast where we talk about all things Premier League and European football from an international fan's perspective. I'm here with my good buddy, Siba, as always. How's it going, bro? What's up, C? I'm doing all right. Not too bad. Um, <laughs> we just had a very uh, fun evening watching the uh, Community Shield last night. Yeah, uh, the Mickey Mouse uh, friendly. Mickey final. Mouse, Donald Duck, Goofy, whoever you want to call. You know, it's, <laughs> it's, uh, it's oh, a yeah. shield. It's, uh, it's a trophy, right? Absolutely. And um, not only that, uh, we've had plenty of preseason action, uh, kind of taking shape all around the football world as uh, teams that didn't go as late as uh, some of the final teams in European competition prepare for the upcoming season. And we also have a lot of updates on the transfer front, don't we, Sid? That's right. But before we jump into the football, uh, as per the request of many of our fans and listeners, we want to take things a bit more personal. We want to really showcase who we are as a podcast duo. So I'm going to ask Z to tell a quick story about how we met. Oh, how we, how we met. <laughs> okay. Yeah, yeah. yeah um, I'm putting you on the spot. Go ahead. Go all, for right, it. all right. No worries. I'm comfortable on the spot. So we would have met, I think, early 2000s, if I'm not wrong. Yeah, 99. It was 1999, right? Right on the cusp of the millennium. And we were actually both <laughs> on the same bus... Uh, it wasn't 99. Don't lie to them. It Bro, like, it might have been. No, it was fucking 2005. Man. Fuck <laughs> off. There's no way. I've known you since Na- like... 99 is like, we would have been in year three. We were in year seven. So like add four years. It would have been 2004, true, true, true. 2005. So, so we, were just, we were just starting seniors. Yeah. Yeah. Right, right, right. That's fair enough. I don't know, man. Like in my, in my mind, I've known you for too long. So uh, the time is only relative, right? Uh, but yeah, so 2005, let's say, and we were on the same school bus, um, two awkward, would-be 12, 13-year-olds uh, going to a new school, well, the senior school, starting a new chapter in our lives. And he was just this awkward, skinny kid that looked like, <laughs> he looked like, I didn't know, even know what he was. Was he, was he Eastern European or German? Turns out he was, of course, a local kid, but you'd never guess it by the... Uh, but by, by, by the physique that he, he had at the time, he was very, very slender, uh, very frail. Um, you could, you could, you could, you'd be worried to like, you know, keep the bus windows open. Get to the point. A gust of wind, <laughs> a gust of wind came in and just fucking took him out of the, <laughs> took him out of the window because <laughs> he was so light and frail. But um, yeah, we were in the same year group on the same bus and it started very slow. He used to sit in the front, uh, front seat right next to the driver uh, every morning. He was a bit shy. Uh, no, no, and, that's and, not the reason. Yeah, no, no, come on. What was the reason then? The reason was I was always picked up last. So the bus was full, 
and the only <laughs> seat available was in the very front between the bus driver and his wife. Yeah, the cool kids used to sit in the back. <laughs> no, man, but yeah, it was it was good. It was funny. Uh, eventually, he started kind of, you know, climbing the social ladder of uh, the bus echelons. And you started kind of mingling a little more, especially when uh, the bus would drop us off after school. And that was where, you know, our kind of friendship began. I, I, I kind of figured that this guy, you know, he's got a he's got quirky kind of sense of humor. He's a bit different. He, he's a he's, he's quietly confident. And I saw like, you know, a unique a unique personality in you. So that was really interesting. And uh, honestly, like the football came much later, didn't it? We did. We, we used to talk about cartoons we used to talk about uh school bullshit homework crap yeah. like that we didn't really talk about football much at that at, uh, back then so it's interesting how things evolved as uh we became a little more tribally invested in our respective clubs but what what do you remember yeah, i mean i'm sure your perspective is a little different to mine yeah i mean when you say the football had kind of this back seat uh in our minds you know going through puberty it was a challenging <laughs> time so Obviously, other things preoccupy your your mental state. Um, yeah. I mean, from my perspective, like you were you were the loudest, most annoying piece of shit on the bus. <laughs> and I look forward I, I look forward to, to when we'd reach your house and the bus driver can get you out. You know, bro, you never saw my house. What are you talking about? Well, no, I did a few times. You had a turkey in your garden. <laughs> that that's not true. <laughs> We did, we did. I, I had cockatiels, not turkey. Cockatiels, right? Peacocks, whatever. You um, want. your your house was your house was much closer to school, so we drop you off first. No, it wasn't. My house was last. fucking far away. We took the we took the bus route that was like for the yeah, kids who lived but, in. But you were you were in Adlia, were you? No, man, I was in Zinj. Exactly. So we'd go Adlia first, and then yeah, we go yeah. to Zinj, and then we go to Isa Town. Yeah. So like, I'm I'm picked up last and dropped off first. Was that how it yeah. was? Yeah, that's what I'm saying. That's why you uh, never saw my place, right? Okay, but I mean, getting to the football. Right? Yeah, this motherfucker went and talk shit about turkeys in my garden. <laughs> you, I know you've been dreaming about my front yard ever since you never got invited to my lunch uh, party. I mean, I mean, it's a bit of a gray area in my, my memory, but... It's um, funny, though. Like, we, 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 we kind of went through various chapters and evolutions uh, of our friendship over the years, which is... Um, and, and, and especially, like, after, I think, after senior school or whatever you want to call it, depending on where you're listening from, um, the football became a much more kind of prominent part of our rituals, our routines, our conversations. Uh, not only would we, you know, play a little bit of like court ball in, in, our, in uh, our tennis court, we'd also, you know, meet up with some of the boys, play a little bit, um, you know, at various facilities with like turf and grass mm-hmm. and uh, FIFA. FIFA was a big part of our friendship and still is. Yeah, but you know something? What I, remind, what I remember now is like it was quite coincidental that the football happened around the same time as this Man United Arsenal rivalry in like the mid two thousands, right? Yeah. So each classroom, the boys who watch football had to pick a side, and I remember I think most of the guys in my my form were all United supporters, except for one guy called Kevin. Uh, oh yeah, Kevin. We needed backup in the Arsenal side, so uh, that, Kevin McAllister. That, that, I think that's initially how I chose my team, but um, l- unluckily at the time, I didn't really actually have uh, access to the broadcasting channels at home. It was AR- ART Sports at the time in the middle. ART had the license, correct? Yeah. So yeah. 
So what I used to do is um, I'd literally just like follow what was going on through like BBC and Premier League websites. Article. GDN. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So I wouldn't actually know the, the score from our games until like the next morning at school when I can log in the PC. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I remember I used to be uh, such a good little brown boy nerd. I used to uh, get the newspaper, the GDN, every morning uh, before uh, the bus would arrive. So I'd have like a bowl of cereal and I have the GDN just sitting there in my school uniform, tie done up, top button and everything. And then your dad's like, where's the paper? <laughs> <laughs> no, no, no. He, he'd, let me, he'd let me finish with it because you know, he'd have to leave work a little just after I would. Uh, so uh, yeah, I had like a, I had like a really routine kind of ritual in the mornings where I, I tend to all the birds that we have and uh, spend a little bit of time enriching them and like you know, like doing a little bit of flight training. And then I'd get the GDN, I'd sit there and kind of like the first thing I'd always look at was obviously the front page, look at like local news, and then I'd turn to the back page where it was all football, tennis, rugby, what have you, and the Premier League uh, section was always what drew my interest and. Um, yeah, it's interesting you mentioned like that was pretty much when the Ferguson-Wenger rivalry really kicked off in yeah. um, the world. And Arsenal Arsenal started doing things that no football club had done in England at, at, that, at that point. It was, it was quite, kind of innovation and, 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 and really changed the face of football in the UK especially. And Man United, we struggled. Uh, we struggled to keep up initially, where especially for those two seasons that you guys... Took the uh, took the league by storm with you know that great team you guys uh, that Arsenal had, but uh, yeah the rivalries were definitely strong in the playground and especially in the classroom. I remember that. Yeah, I literally remember like like after PE class there'd be like fights in the locker room, you know. Yeah, Fucking. it was it was very it's crazy, isn't it? Think about like a bunch of like middle class kids in an international school in the Middle East turning into hooligans over football clubs like an ocean away. <laughs> It's amazing, like the the social effect uh, that football has, like not just in our own experiences, but even you know from what we've seen in our travels as we've kind of lived and grown through the game and through our own lives. It's it's amazing to see like how far reaching the sport really is, especially uh, the English game. Yeah. Do you remember um, Match Magazine? Oh man, like that 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 paper thin recycled uh, magazine that used to have like yeah where, yeah where you get the free posters like yeah yeah oh man my brother who's also an Arsenal fan incidentally if you've listened to our first episode um, he was visiting here from the UK uh, he had his whole room covered in um, those cut out posters and he'd always pick the Arsenal players like he had a massive Thierry Henry one he had Robert Perez uh, I think he had one for Patrick Vieira as well. It was just, uh, it was something that all the boys did. A lot of the boys did. Yeah. Are you, are you getting um, nostalgic? Well, a little bit. More, <laughs> more in terms of like watching the football back then. Because mm. it is quite a different story to what it is today in 2020. Yeah. Um, I mean, back then, United and Arsenal had this like era of domination where they'd go toe to toe with any team in the league. Mm-hmm. Even around Europe. You Even know. Europe, yeah, especially Europe. I yeah. mean, we still remember that great goal on rescored against Real Madrid and the Bernabeu. It's fantastic, fantastic yeah. uh, power, speed, balance, composure. That was just Thierry Henry in a nutshell, right? And I think, yeah, we, we both had pound for pound, like you say, we could go toe to toe with anyone. But when we went head to head with one another, I, I, I think that was just poetry in motion. That was footballing legend, like folklore. Especially when you think of 
the golden age of the Premier League, if you if you can call it that. But you know what I'm talking about, right? Like that kind of yeah. late 90s, early 2000s period where we we had both teams had players really in their prime and the young players were coming into maturity. So both both sides were like equally as strong in every position. And that was that was beautiful to watch because it was still it was still a, a working man's game in a sense because the tackles that you could get away with back then and some of the shithousery and the roughhousing you you don't really see it in the modern game, do you? It's it's become much more what's the word globalized. It's a lot more branded, it's softer. Uh, I don't know, but it's definitely faster. But yeah, like softer in the sense that. These foreign players, these more technical, skilled players, they uh, get more protection, I think, from referees, um, which is interesting because that was the era, like, you know, with your Henri's and Cristiano's and Rooney's and stuff, when they would get fouled, uh, you'd see a lot of them not be given by referees at that time. And, you know, managers like Wenger and Ferguson were like, and of course, Mourinho, when he came on later in, uh, to Chelsea at 2005, I think it was, they, they were like talking about protecting these skilled uh, international players, like foreign players who come into the league from overseas. And you look at the game now, it's almost like an entirely different sport in a different country compared to what it was in that time in a lot of ways. I, I miss those days when it was down and dirty. It was, I mean. it was theater, bro. It was fucking... You could see the blood, mud, sweat, tears, everything. Like, and, and every player would just run his like, lungs to the ground for their club. You know what I mean? Like, I think loyalty in the game has also changed with the saturation of the market and inflated kind of player transfers and everything, especially in England. I think you still have that kind of one club man romanticism in other countries to an extent, especially, you know, with Francesco Totti only recently retiring. I think Gennaro Gattuso as well was similar with Milan. And we saw, of course, the likes of Xavi and Iniesta at Barcelona. But in the Premier League, like, you had the likes of, like, players like Thierry Henry. Granted, he did leave later on, but, like, the way he spoke he and the way he carried himself on and off the pitch, he represented everything about Arsenal. He was Mr. Arsenal, you know what I mean? And then the likes of Ryan Giggs, Paul Scholes, uh, Ruud van Nistelrooy at that time, they just completely embodied everything that the club was about. And, and it was a re- direct reflection of the fans. I don't think we see so much of that anymore. W- w- what do you think? Do you think football uh, reflecting society is a lot more different now than it was when we were growing up? I think the reflection is still present because, mm-hmm. I mean, if you remember back then, like there wasn't so much science to football, you know? So when we'd watch the game on like, you know, our grainy, you know, rear projection television, <laughs> we're watching like it for, to be, we're hoping to see a good game, you know? Like yeah. we don't really give a shit about the punditry so much. Yeah, that's know? true. That's and true. even the punditry was quite simple to the point. Like they're talking about individual performances, about, you know, the manager's setup. But nowadays, because of all the data and science and like all these other bits have gone into it, people are now like throwing around stats and numbers and expected goals and all this other bullshit, which, you know, I'm not saying it has no truth to it, but it's kind of inflated our view of of the modern game. Well, it's media. It's like it's a bit to do with media sensationalism, isn't it? Because I, I feel a lot of the time, like, for example, what pundits say or what journalists kind of write in their papers or post in their, on their websites, it gets kind of almost amplified to a point where it becomes public opinion. You know what I'm saying? Like, so it's kind of driving yeah. a narrative and that 
almost in turn shapes the way that people see certain teams or figures in the game or players. Like the whole thing with Paul Pogba, for example. Like, yeah, United <laughs> fans, United fans, especially, you know, it's been hit and miss. It's been a mixed bag. And, and, and there's a lot of divided opinion regarding the player and, you know, his, um, his, his entire career at United since we signed him back for an astronomical amount of money, which by my perspective, personally, it's, it's kind of like you can't really judge a player by the market value because the market is the market. The player doesn't choose how much he's going for. You know, that's between the clubs. That's between uh, that. That's more to do with you know the economy and the market, and that that's separate, right? What the player does on the pitch, that is what you should judge him on. And granted, Pogba hasn't always been you know his own benefactor, his own best friend when it comes to his performances. But when you look at things like like you just mentioned Graham Souness or other other kind of pundits that criticize him and like paint him as this kind of lazy, lazy, uh, lazy player who doesn't really graft or uh, doesn't really play for the team and only thinks for himself and everything. That opinion gets kind of sensationalized and spread and, 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 and so interesting. Footballing, football fans, ourselves included, we have relatively short memories. You know, very, we're, we're very quick to forget and very, like, very quick to also jump on certain bandwagons and, and, and fan opinions. And people often forget that to be Paul Pogba, to be this athlete, and, and granted, they are all human beings, to get to that level of the game and play for a club like Man United um, at that level and do the things that he's doing on a pitch, it's pretty exceptional. And we're expecting him to do it like, you know, a machine, a PlayStation player, where, you know, there's only going to be probably one Leo Messi and one Cristiano Ronaldo in this era of football, players of that consistency, caliber, and lack of injury record so i don't know do, do you think it's unfair the way that the media kind of drives these narratives and the fans kind of you know buy into it well what i, what I wanted to say was um you brought up a very good point which is which alludes to that the media has such a firm grip on what's happening in premier league or the world of football in general yeah that the common fan will often take those their words as gospel. So it's, it's likely, for example, that if you were to pick any United fan or Arsenal fan or Chelsea fan or whoever off the street today and just ask them, which player should your club sign you know, this window? Most of the time, they're just going to like give you the name they've heard being rumored around for like weeks in the newspaper or on, on mainstream media. Right. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Like Every United fan is going to say, oh, Jaden Sancho or Jack Grealish. Every Arsenal fan is going to see Thomas Partey. There's not like being much room for growth for, in terms of the fans' ability to do their own research or kind of form their own unique individualistic opinion. Uh, and, and that's kind of the reason why we started this podcast, because if you listen to our podcast or any other pod done by like you know amateur football fans or journalists, you're going to hear a lot of different, a lot of different names of players that could improve your club a lot of different uh opinions or strategies on 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 where your club needs to go and sometimes you know that will resonate with what you know pundits are saying on bbc or sky but what you're guaranteed in the day is that it's a genuine opinion and that's going to help you form your own you know distinct outlook on right. on your club and that's interesting because if you think about it when they there's this old kind of mantra almost of 
if you're the smartest person in the room, you're in the wrong room. You know what I mean? Yeah. So when you're surrounded by many opinions that are all concerning the same uh, topic of discussion, but are very contrasting and challenge the other opinions in the room, you're going to ultimately, if you do uh, almost embrace all those diverse contrasting points of view, you're going to shape a much more sophisticated understanding and perspective of what you're all discussing because you know, it, it's shaped by the perspectives of many and how this one kind of fo uh, focus topic is affecting the perspectives of many. And, and, and granted, those people are all equally or differently invested in the same thing, be it a football club or a transfer uh, strategy. So you're going to get a much more uh, well-defined and well-rounded idea of what it is that you initially may have had uh, an otherwise more simple outlook on. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, I mean, most people are, are out of fear of rejection, will look for an echo chamber, you know, they're going to follow the same kind of accounts on Twitter, <laughs> we're all tweeting the same thing, try to say something. And that, that, that just no, I'm just saying that just validates like their own opinions, because right, right. anything that uh, strays from that curve is going to be like laughed at, or you're going to be called delusional, or, or it gets or it gets nastier than that. Yeah, even if it's questionable in the slightest. Right. But yeah, that, that remains to be seen. Um, speaking of which, regarding fan culture, right? Because we, we, we both know that football's changed a great deal. We've already touched on that. Do you think that young boys and girls who are getting into the game now, like in the 2020 era, are perhaps going into it for entirely different reasons to why we fell in love with the game when we were in our you know, early, early teen years or early twenties or, you know, the things that we fell in love uh, with uh, football for the reasons the the players, the style of football and the drama, of course, the action. Do you think children and young fans nowadays are going into it for different reasons? It's an interesting question because are you asking that about children who are, you know, abroad and watching football internationally, or are you asking about children who grew up in an English household in a particular area or part of England. Why not both? Because, because it varies, right? It varies because the two kind of paths that I've seen or experienced myself, you know, when you're choosing your club is A, either, you know, your family all supports, you know, X club and or your dad supports them and therefore you're going to support them whether you like it or not. And maybe if you're fortunate enough to live in England, you're going to go see your team play and, you know, you're going to have those uh, club jerseys on in your baby photos. But when you're an international fan, it's kind of about, you know, who's the popular team at school? Because let's be real, a lot of international fans got into their teams in their team's glory days, however recent that may be, you know? Like you and I go into United and Arsenal during like, that golden Premier League era you talked about in the, you know, mid early two thousands. Well, I, I I had a I didn't have much of a choice. Both my parents were United fans, so yeah. But would you I'm say lucky. it was enforced? Was, like no, it wasn't. Did, it was just it was just kind of like it was more like the club chose me in a way because that was the club that my dad watched and was interested in. Yeah, so, I'm saying this because like if if you're you know let's say like you're you're a quiet shy kid at school maybe you know you sit the front of the bus, you know <laughs> right. Uh, uh, and and you kind of like you you like uh, Saint Maximin at Newcastle because there's Gucci Bandana and you like Gucci, you know. So, <laughs> Fair so enough. you you re it resonates with you, right? But Newcastle's a shit team, 
Oi, uh, they're not oi, respected oi, oi. by come the on, kids at school. They're, they're a big club, man. You know? Relax. You know, but apologies, man. I, I respect to my Jordy brothers and sisters out there. I repeat, I said they're a shit team, not a shit club. Okay. Fair enough. So they're not respected <laughs> by the other kids at school. So when you go into, you know, Mufti Day or or Fancy Dress Day or whatever in your yeah. Newcastle jersey, you're gonna get bullied <laughs> by the kid in the United Jersey, the kid in the City Jersey, and there are gonna there are gonna be kids, you know, wearing wearing you know City attire because. That's actually one of the cool things, to, cool teams to support right now. You know, right, right. as as like a thirteen year old, how can you not like love KDB or Aguero or like you know uh, Raheem Sterling, like these kind of players? Because when you're a kid and you're playing football, all you want to do is tricks. You want to do skills, and City is one of the teams in in the league which is notorious for having flair players. You know, and they make these like marquee signings with players who have these different traits that like are attractive visually right to a 13 year old who may not understand you know the game on a high level as we're, we've been discussing in our in our pods you know the kid's not gonna pay much attention to like you know the breakdown of guardiola's system where he exploits the half spaces and how the formation transitions and <laughs> all that no they're, they're gonna be talking about you know did you fucking see like or did you uh, did you freaking see did you freaking see Sane uh, nutmeg uh, Gnabry last night? You know, like that's the kind of shit they talk about. So uh, when you're when you're talking about like choosing a club as a child, like yeah, they're gonna go for for the big teams with all the star players. So, you know, they're they're gonna get into arguments about Ronaldo versus Messi, and honestly, they're 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 fortunate enough to have you know witnessed them. Uh, because it, it it seems like they are coming towards the end of their careers within the next you know few years or so. Right. But you know, the then task. the next generation, the next generation looks up to Mbappe, to maybe Jao Felix, to Sancho, maybe even Sam, uh, Mason Greenwood. So uh, every generation is going to have like uh, role model players. Let's say you know, for us it was Ronaldinho, R9 Ronaldo, Adriano, David, like David mostly Brazilians, mostly Brazilians. Let's, let's be honest. I don't you know. Know. David Beckham uh, gets a solid mention. Yeah. Yeah, but I mean, of course, you as a United fan, you remember when like Cristiano burst on the scene at like 16, 17 years of age. Yo, who is this kid? What what are stepovers, man? How do I do a step? And you try to do stepovers, and you're doing them in slow motion, and everyone's like, "No, nah, bro, that's not how you do it." But you know, you feel cool <laughs> when you're doing it. Yeah. I remember your stepovers yeah. on the playground. That, that, those are oh, those are no, I, those are something else. Yeah, only the inverted stepover. So, me. but don't you feel that we did that too? Like. Uh, we we picked the, That's what I'm the saying. teams That's that what like, I think. yeah played with flair and 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 tried tricks and scored great goals and you know played beautiful football essentially. That's what I'm saying, D- dude. The majority of like the global fans who start supporting Arsenal in that area supported for for Henri. Right, Henri was like the god you worshipped uh, in terms of football, and and that I think that's just how it's going to be from generation to generation. Do you think that that affects uh, the club culture? Do you think uh, it affects the way that people view football and, and, and think of, you know, fandom and fanaticism? And uh, do you think it changes the conversation, the nature of the conversation between rival fans? Because I think coming from the generation we grew up in, respectively, like we also, as much as, you know, we banter one another and it does get a lot more animated than you guys have heard so far on the pod. But when we banter one another... And we kind of rip on each other. There's also a great deal of kind of mutual respect for what our clubs have achieved, and, you know, the kind of rivalry. 
Yeah, I mean, but there's a there's a there's a rivalry that we both enjoyed. We 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 loved having another team in red up uh, down in North London and us up in Manchester, like you know, going toe to toe for the league and stuff. You know, those are those are amazing amazing battles to watch uh, throughout seasons. But now, do you feel like because of the dominance of these top teams, like, especially at this moment in time with the Liverpool and City kind of flying and leading the race, do you think that the conversation is a little more? dare I say, plastic? Plastic in what sense? In the sense that there's an often kind of glory hunter branding that goes about with uh, international fans that, you know, uh, hence the name armchair managers, like armchair fans. Support your local. (laughs) Yeah, Riffa United, lad. Um, So, yeah, there's this kind of, um, like, the local fans, especially in the UK, like, and I'm, I'm, I'm quite close friends with a, a, a few of them who feel the fans over, over, uh, overseas are much more fickle. They're much more uh, come and go. They want to stick around for the rosy times when everything's, you know, the fair weather fans rather than the fans that kind of stick through the tough times and the struggle and watch more or less every game, you know, support their team no matter what, uh, rain or shine. Uh, do you feel that kind of, loyalty despite all things despite the results despite what division you might be in do you think that is fading with modern fans uh yeah so let me give an example we we all saw like when ronaldo finally left madrid after like pretty much a decade playing for them you know being their star player and he moved to juventus some people highlighted the tremendous astronomical growth in Juventus social media accounts. Not just Juventus, Syria as well, right? Syria as well. Yeah. And may I also highlight that nowadays, when you're looking at players, and I think we mentioned this maybe a couple podcasts ago, um, there are players that you know are maybe a bit too big for their own good in the sense that each player is kind of treating himself, his agent, his posse, his entourage as kind of like a mini company or a mini startup, let's say. Mm-hmm. So, so when you have that kind of branding, you know, like Neymar moving from Nike to Puma right. and, you know, the image rights, the sponsorship deals, like the branding, all that shit that goes with it. We're seeing fans that are primarily just following a player around, not necessarily a club. Do you know what I mean? I, I know for, for certainty that, you know, there is a core in the Arsenal fan base that is primarily there because of Mesut Ozil. And right. Maybe the same for United's uh, Pogba. Um, do, you think, do you think that might be a little bit of basketball fan culture coming into football? Because we do see that a lot in American sports where fans will f- rather follow players uh, than teams or clubs or franchises in the American context. So, like, depending on where Steph Curry or LeBron James might be playing, they'll they'll buy whatever jersey he's wearing for whatever team he may, you know, trade for. So, similarly, in football nowadays, we might be seeing a little bit of that with the likes of, you know, these, these, brand, these brand kind of solo brand uh, powerful players in... Uh, the marketing sense. So your Neymar's, your Mbappe's, your Cristiano's, Messi's, Pogba's, you know what I mean? Like, I, I don't know a lot about basketball or the NBA, but it sounds about right. 
Because you're seeing a little bit of that form of support maybe transitioning and being washed into uh, football culture as well, I think. I mean, like it goes back to what I was saying. You know, if you're a 13 year old kid, like you've got a favorite player. Right. Uh, I saw a video last night on Twitter about this Afghani kid who went viral some years ago for like making a Messi jersey out of a plastic bag, and then right. him finally meeting yeah. Messi. And are are you going to ask that kid in in like 10 years' time if he's still a Barcelona fan after Messi's long gone? It, which is interesting. I, I know you're sick and tired of talking about Messi and all of that, but um, th- there has been a conversation or, or series of conversations that I've come across on social media and also uh, with some of my friends and you know who are Barcelona slash Messi fans uh, throughout the globe who are openly almost admitting that they will probably not be as avid followers of Barcelona after he does de- depart, if he does depart. And that they will follow him wherever he goes. And uh, so there is that. Because interestingly, like with Cristiano Ronaldo, we did see a little bit of that as well when he first moved to Real Madrid from Man United. That like some United fans automatically are now now suddenly Real Madrid fans or both. Like this Look, uh, honestly, I'll leave by myself. You know, like after Henri left, my viewership of the of Arsenal League dipped. Like I, I skipped a lot of games. I remember that. You were, uh, you were quite upset at the time. It was, it was quite, a, quite a dead period because, you know, there are players in, in, the, in the, those starting 11s for that, like, short period between, I think, 2010 to, like, 14 or something. A lot of forgettable names in there, you know? And it, it's, I, I think it's a natural human thing to do. People get bored of things over time. And, you know, if, if, if your favorite thing is no longer around, you're going to try and find something else that, you know, piques your interest. And at least in my case, like I couldn't find a favorite player in that Arsenal team anymore. There wasn't much to be excited about uh, during that period. So it's a weird thing to talk about, you know, especially because you know when you're a football fan and you're you know going on to <laughs> a football podcast. But let's be real: as international fans, you're all you're going to experience ninety percent, ninety five percent of your your football through the TV, right? And sometimes there's and, and and social media, right? Yeah, and sometimes there's better TV shows on. Sometimes <laughs> you're just sick of getting like bantered by your your friend who supports Man United because they're having a good season <laughs> and, and you're invisible. And I I haven't forgotten. I haven't forgotten because I remember there was a, a good like couple of years on Facebook where you would post on my wall ever so regularly, like so frequently. You'd post. Oh, it was like, good good times. Like just shit posts about like. You know, Robin Van Persie. Robin Van Persie about like uh, being Arsenal. Yeah, (laughs) like like just just literally trying to like push me as far away from football as possible, and for time (laughs) you succeeded. And and you know, being being like the humble person I am, you know, once you know, uh, (laughs) once I started watching Arsenal again, like more frequently, and even though we were having shit seasons and we we lost Sanchez. And even when we started beating you every now and again, I'd keep quiet. And I'm still keeping very quiet. I don't banter. Even when we beat you uh, uh, earlier this season in January, like when Arteta first joined, that 2-0 masterclass, did I shit <laughs> on you? No, no, I'm, I'm keeping quiet. Because for me, like these results, yes, they mean a lot. But my eye is on the price. Like once, you know, Arsenal's at the stage where they're title contenders, they're back in the Champions League, they're competing for the Champions League. 
Then all this fucking like testosterone I've been holding for you, Z, <laughs> all of it, I'm I'm just gonna open the valve. I just as hope fast as I can. I and just it's gonna hope. come gushing. And you I'm gonna catch you with your mouth open. Okay? And you're gonna Bro. swallow whether you like it or not. Bro, so all that said and done, like I'm very happy for you, you know, that it means so much to you, but I just hope no, that you don't grand- be happy for me. There's nothing to be happy just, about right now. I just, I just hope that your grandchildren, uh, you know, pay you visits when Arsenal are back in the Champions League. No, there'll be no children. I'll have kids. Once <laughs> we win. You can always foster, mate. Put, there, them, in, no, uh, put, put them in plastic recycled Arsenal kits while you raise them. <laughs> <laughs> with, with Robin Van Percy written on the back in Sharpie. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. No, honestly, this this was this was fantastic. Yeah. Man. It was it's always awesome reminiscing, and of course, talking all things football with you, bro. Uh, shut the always, fuck up. Always a pleasure. Um, for all, all of you awesome listeners, uh, we're gonna be doing a lot more um, episodes like this one, as well as what we've been doing in our regular kind of uh, setup. You can follow us as always on Instagram at Armchair Managers, or also on Twitter at AC underscore Managers. And if you want to join the conversation. Uh, feel free to message us uh, on our Instagram or through Twitter. We're going to be more than welcome to have your opinions feature on the podcast or even have you feature on the podcast. Just uh, be sure to tune in and keep up with everything else, armchair managers. Anything to say, Siba? Uh, no, I mean, this was fun, wasn't it? Yeah. Yeah, as you mentioned, man, guys, please do follow us on socials. Uh, we're on Instagram, we're on Twitter, we're on YouTube too. I think... Probably, like, once we're the league's going again, we're going to try and do some video stuff. Uh, maybe so you guys can, like, see our lovely faces and our facial expressions reacting to all the nonsense that's going on on the podcast. But, uh, <laughs> yeah, I think that's it for me and uh, Z. Uh, have a good night, everyone, and enjoy the rest of your week. Take care, guys. Have a great one.